What's going on, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode three of Top Rank Unboxed. My name is Ricky, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jalen. And man, we had a chance to chat with an upcoming heavyweight star today. We're very excited to introduce one of our top heavyweight prospects, Richard Torres Jr. Richard was a super high-level amateur, winning silver at the 2020 Olympics. He's now 5-0, 5 KOs as a pro. Rich was super candid on a variety of topics today. He opened up about the chip on his shoulder, a future grudge match with another prominent heavyweight, and the pressures of being a role model. Let's get right into it. What was that moment where you knew that boxing was it for you? Honestly, I think it was at the Olympics. I think it was, I, I turned those gloves over and I saw the Olympic rings and I went, oh my gosh, I'm really here. You know, because everyone always said, Richard, why are you boxing? You don't have to box. You do so many other things with your life. Uh, I was a valedictorian. I was on a chess club. I was on a robotics team. I, I did a lot of stuff in high school. I'm, I'm taking classes in college. They're like, why, why are you even boxing? And for the longest, it was hard for me to, 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 to give a response, you know. And But after reading the meditations, after looking at myself at the Olympics, and after talking to my dad, you know, this is really, like, this is it. You know, this is what we want to do. And other things are kind of like side quests now. It's fun, but boxing is the main. I mean, yeah, man, you, you went to, you know, the Tokyo Olympics, which was a big deal. And we're going to go back a couple years prior at World. Unfortunately, you had lost, uh, if I'm saying his name correct, uh, Jalalov? Yeah, Jalalov. Uh -huh. Got the knockout victory over you at Worlds in 2019. And then you saw him again in the Olympic final. Tell us your mindset uh, going into that. You know, you can't have that knockout knob on your mind, you know, when you go into the finals like that, or when you see something, especially because when I had to relook at the fight to study him for the finals, um, I had to watch my knockout, you know, and it's really tough to do. Uh, but my mindset kind of going into that, that finals was like, I kind of have something up on every other fighter now. You know, I've been to the bottom. You know, I've been where no other fighter wants to be at. I've been... I've been ridiculed. I've been, people would tell me I wasn't supposed to be in the ring. People would tell me like, I shouldn't be boxing anyways. They were saying pretty mean stuff, you know? And, and I even got like knocked out of the year and I was the guy getting knocked out. You know, uh, I've, I've, the, the knockout had over a million views. Uh, and it's something that every fighter dreads and no one wants to be there. And a lot of people that if they get knocked out like that, they'll stop boxing. I'm still here. You know, I, I made it back to the Olympics, I, I qualified and I was in the finals, you know? And so my mindset in that finals was I'm, I'm supposed to be here, you know, and I, I want to prove that I am. And uh, I give my all, you know, that's all I could say. Do you think that, um, you know, you had a bigger chip going in on your shoulder going into the sacrifice? Yeah, no, that, that chip was definitely there going into the, to the Olympic finals. Um, and it was, again, I just, I don't know if I want to prove it to someone else. I don't know if I want to prove my, to myself. But I want to prove something, you know, and I'm actually thankful in, in ways that I got the silver because I don't know if I would in the box if I got gold. I mean, 100% honest really? with you, I, I would have I would have thought that I had achieved everything I needed to achieve. Uh, growing up, my my dad instilled in me the the drive for the Olympic gold said and what he did when he was growing up. I always want to be just like my dad. He went to the uh, Olympic trials. He lost the Olympic trials and he went to college and then he became a teacher. I thought that's how my life was going to go, too. Um, and it wasn't until I, I made it to the Olympics, I was like, oh, this is kind of different. And then I made it to the finals. And then afterwards, every, like all the promotional companies were calling me and everyone was talking to me where I was like, oh, this is who I am. And because I still, because I only got a silver and it's a bittersweet moment, I still have that need of something to prove. You know, I still need to be the best. I, I, 
I, I want it so bad, you know, and I, I'm going to work so hard until I get it one day and I know I will, but, uh, but it's, just, it's a grind now. And because I got silver, I'm more than willing to grind. Wow. Is that mostly what fuels you? That fuels me the, the, the need to prove something to the people that don't believe, but it's also to prove something to the people that do believe, you know, it's, it's to prove to them that the sacrifice that my dad made over the past 15 years wasn't in vain. That when I missed my sister's birthday to go to nationals like 10 times in a row, like it wasn't, it wasn't for nothing. When I, when I didn't go to prom, when I didn't go to the field trips, when I couldn't go out, when I, when I couldn't party, when I couldn't do any of that stuff, I want to prove that those sacrifices weren't in vain, you know, and that's also why I work so hard. And at the end of the day, I truly believe I'm a boxer. You know, I really do. I believe that this is what I was put on earth to do. Um, I wasn't a firm believer in destiny or anything like that, but Marcus Aurelius told me, or they said in meditations that like, if you truly believe you were put on this earth for a reason, uh, they, he says like, bees aren't, don't ask why they make honey. Like trees don't ask why they bear fruit. Don't ask why you're doing what you do. You're here for a reason. And that kind of, that gave me a lot of motivation and, and said, no, I'm, I, I am here for a reason. How do you feel when people, maybe they try to paint you as not the typical heavyweight? I mean, there's sometimes where being the non-typical heavyweight is pretty cool. You know, like uh, I see a lot of people like, oh, I don't watch boxing, uh, but I just really like who you are. So I started watching your fights. That's amazing. You know, I love when people say that. But it's more so when people come in and they're like, oh, he's not a heavyweight. Oh, he's not a boxer. Oh, this guy's just kind of doing something. It's like, Jesus, man, I'm, I'm an Olympic silver medalist in the super heavyweight division. You know, I, I, I've made my name for myself in the USA. I, I'm trying hard and I feel like it's like, I feel like some of my accolades should prove a little bit of, of the type of boxer I am. And it's not, you know, a lot of people are still seeing me and they're saying like, oh, this guy doesn't know anything. He's too light. He's not this, he's not that. And, uh, I mean, it just kind of gives me more drive. You know, it really, it, it want, I want to show them. You know, I do want to prove it to them. I want to, I want to prove to people that I'm meant to be here, that I'm supposed to be on this scene and I'm, I'm, I'm do, on the right path. You know, and I think that the only way I can do that is through boxing and is through showing them in the ring. And that's why I'm working so hard in camp right now. What do you do to kind of just, you know, keep yourself at peace through all the chaos in this sport? I think one of the ways I kind of keep peace is by staying rooted and staying grounded. You know, I'm still in my hometown. That's where I live. I train at the same gym I've trained at, uh, the TAC, you know, um, and when I train, there's still little kids training right next to me. It's Monday to Thursday from six to eight. You know, I, I don't go in at a certain time. I don't, I don't leave at a certain time. I, I, I stay at the hours that the gym are, that the gym's open at. Uh, and I, I like to be in nature a lot, you know, and in doing so, I take my dog with me, Dempsey, and he's, he's, he's like, awesome and I, I love doing that but uh it kind of works back into working out you know I think working out kind of keeps me grounded as well you know I'll go for a run in the mountains or I'll go for a run in the in the country fields or I'll just go by myself with my dad and we'll, we'll do some mitts or just move around and boxing itself it kind of keeps me rooted and just it because it's all I've ever had you know it's it's something I've had in my in my family or in my life since I was as long as I can remember you know my dad would take me to the gym when I was two and he would just like try to get me like to smell the ring and the gloves and stuff like that you know it's it's always been a part of me so in that same sense boxing keeps me keeps me focused what's the what's like your go-to thing to just kind of 
find that peace. And I'll go for a run into the uh, in the fields, in the cornfields, or in the orchards. And sometimes I won't even play music. I'll just really listen to to nature, and I'll and I'll try to be just in the moment as I can be. You know, like even in the Olympics, in the finals, I didn't have any warm up music. I just I wanted to be in that moment. You know, I wanted I wanted to be there. I didn't want anything to separate that. It was like I I compared it to like putting ketchup on a nice steak. You know, like I love ketchup and I love steaks, but I don't want to put ketchup on a really nice steak. And it was the same thing. I didn't want to distract myself with anything at the Olympics. I, I saw the gloves. I would see the people next to me and each one would come in. Someone would come in and they'd be so happy. Someone would come in, they'd be crying their eyes out. I, I would see the focus on, on someone's eyes before they got on the ring. And it just, you're there, you know, you're really there. And, and to not have the music and not trying to be like, get your mind off something, but to just embrace it and have your mind on the lip. What's the best thing you've learned from the Stoics? Yeah, the best thing I've learned from Stoicism so far is uh, no good thing happens, no bad thing happens, things just happen. And it's how you react that makes it good or bad. You know, and I've really been trying to, to associate myself and, and kind of take the emotions out of actions and being able to think about it, then make a conscious decision on what happens next or what I do. It's hard. It's harder said than done, though. You know, I'm, I'm very uh, driven and focused and sometimes my emotions get the best of me. But uh, reading stoicism kind of lets me take a step back from uh, from things that happen. You know, and instead of just reacting, I get to take a step back, look into myself and see if I want to how I want to react. And then it's been helping a little bit. How do you apply that in the ring? Because sometimes reacting emotionally in the ring is not the best thing to do, right? Yeah, I think I've gotten a pretty good grip of uh, how to act inside the ring. But it's more so like right before the fight. You know, you get those nerves going. You get everything, uh, all the cameras out there. uh, People looking at you, people cheering your name, people trying to give you fist bumps to take pictures with you. Um, It allows me to kind of... uh, disassociate myself from the environment a little bit and know that I'm still just be able to be in the moment of the fight coming up, you know, and it helps me kind of relax my nerves a little bit too. We noticed that you like to go do like crazy things and and really fun things. You did skydiving, you did Iceland, which was really fucking random. (laughs) We were wondering (laughs) like, why is Rich shadowboxing in Iceland right now? Um, What goes into the thought process of making that choice of like what you want to do after? Like, how, how do you go about it? You know, it first came about from going to the Olympics, right? Everyone said, hey, just dedicate. Well, first it was dedicate this first five years of your life to get on the team. Then it was dedicate these next four years to stay on the team. Then it was, all right, dedicate yourself for the Olympics for this next two years, even though COVID happened. And they're like, don't do anything. All you have to do is dedicate yourself and then good things will come after it. And while I agree with that and while I still stay dedicated, I don't want to be 70 years old trying to skydive and go to Iceland and do all this fun stuff. You know, I want to be able to, to say, no, I've lived my life while I'm being a boxer. You know, I don't want to just say like, this is all I am. This is who it is. While, while boxing consumes me and it is like a major part of my life, I still want to be able to live, you know? And so, yeah. So that's why I kind of like, you know, no, I'm, I am going to skydive. No, no, I am going to Iceland. That was the one thing I really want to do. I'm chasing the Northern Lights. I didn't get to see him in Iceland, but uh, it gives me another chance to go to like Sweden or Norway. So I'm excited to do that. Um, my next one is probably Alaska. I really want to go canoeing through Alaska. Uh, I'm excited for that for that journey. Um, but we have a lot of fights coming up. So I'm, I gotta I'm ask to, though. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask though with the skydiving. 
Did you shit yourself? Man, you, you know what it is? It's like you you get on the edge of the plane, and then the uh, the guy that's on your back, the, the instructor, he goes, "All right, you're the one that leans back, though." I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, we like we don't have control of that." He goes, "He goes, I can't do that." He goes, "I'll just be on your back." He goes, "But someone, but you're the one that has to put your feet on the edge and lean back." And it's almost like a fight, you know. You get into the plane, and it's that calm before the storm of you just riding with the other people. And you get on the edge, and it's kind of like when the bell rings, and you're just like, "I'm here now," and you just gotta go, mm. you know. And that's kind of how it, it felt, and it was it was amazing, honestly. It was an incredible experience. Uh, I would do it again, and I, I loved it. Shoot, you're better than most people. I, I <laughs> what else are What else are you wanting to do that's insane like that? I want to go uh, wing riding, and so that's like skydiving on steroids. It's uh, is it's, that when um, you flap your arms and it's like literally wings under your arms? Is it that thing? No, this this one is where you get on an old school plane and they strap you to the top of the wings, oh, and then that's you get horrible. to just like you just get to just be like free oh. and just like free floating the air oh, no. while you're on the plane still have fun and you with have that. to climb up into it oh man if i have if, that's the one day goal i want to be able to do that uh, i want to climb a really big mountain i don't know if ever since one but maybe one in north america uh yeah just i i like i like staying active you know that's fair you're an adrenaline junkie that's that makes sense <laughs> that you're also a boxer that that makes there sense go. that's good can we talk a little bit about your amateur career because obviously like you train a lot in Colorado Springs still even though you're a professional so I'm really curious the type of work that you get there um, and if you can kind of go into that a little bit yeah so growing up um, I started boxing at the age of four uh, like that's when I first got to the ring and I sparred the gloves went up to about my elbows and uh, it <laughs> I could barely move um going into that I, i'm a third generation boxer so my grandpa boxed my dad boxed and I'm, I'm also a boxer uh and you know my first fight was when i was eight. First time i won a national tournament i was 10 the uh, first time i went overseas to fight for usa i was 15 uh, i've been on the usa i was on the usa team from the year 15 all the way up to uh to 22 and uh i hadn't lost in the united states in um for my amateurs in the last i think 10 years so uh, so I, I had been just kind of moving through the ranks. And in doing so, I met some really cool people from the USA Boxing. Billy Walsh, Kay Karoma, I met him through USA Boxing. Um, yeah, and my cut man, Goose, he's, he's, uh, he's from USA Boxing too. And I've just stayed there and kept good connections, you know. And so I'll come back and I'll, I'll be able to train at one of the most elite training facilities. Uh, and I have some really good sparring partners with me, some of the up-and-coming guys. And then some of the overseas guys, you know, we have great brain here right now and they're finishing off this one camp uh, and it just kind of plays in perfect to my training camps. I was an amateur, but I wasn't as good as y'all to be fighting on an elite level. Right. How does it work when you guys get all of like the foreigners coming into town, like, uh, you know, United Kingdom guys, the, the Australian team or whatever? How often are they coming into the Olympic Training Center? We have a multi-nation camp at least three times a year, three or four oh, times a year. Okay. And it comes right before a, a, a big tournament. And, man, I mean, you say camp, like, it's going to be something easy, but you go at it every single time. When it's not your country and someone else is there, uh, you always have to tell the new guys, like, hey, even when we're text far and even when they say we're going light, if they go hard, you got to go hard back, you know? It's it's uh, it's very competitive and it's very uh, learning, you know? like, And luckily – I feel like they have a really good staff here at USA Boxing, and I think that uh, we have a really good team moving on to the 2024 Olympics. Uh, 
and I'm just happy to be a part of it. There's so so there's a little bit of tension with uh, the the other guys coming in. Do you was there? You don't have to name any names. Was there one dude from a different country that you was just like, man, I want to take his fucking head off. He's getting on my nerves. You know, I, I'll say this. There was one time that I was 17 years old and uh, I got hit after the bell by by a certain pro boxer now. And uh, and he posted it and it got a bunch of views. And he even said in the in the post that says when you like when the bell rings, but you have your opponent hurt. I wasn't hurt. The bell just rang and I dropped my hand, you know, and then he, he cold clocked me and uh, and man, I was I was I was so heated and so and when that fight comes, because I'm going to ask for that fight. When that fight comes, and I'll let you know who it is. But I, I'm I will ask for that fight. Ooh. Oh wow! Ooh. We're already building up. We're already building up for a, a grudge match for Rich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we kind of want to go back and talk about your hometown, Tularia, right? They say it's a small town, but we were doing our research. It said like seventy thousand. That's small to you? Tularia, Tularia is growing. It's growing a lot. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily um, like a one-stop shop, but it is. If you blink, you'll miss it. Type town, you know. It's <laughs> it's it's big, but it's small at the same time. Uh, we have a ton of farmers, a ton of farm workers, um, and it's very country. So I wouldn't say necessarily small town, but it's very much so a country town. You came back after the Olympics, and they presented you with a mural, and like you became a hometown hero. Like, describe to us how that felt. Man, I, I can't I can't throw any shade on them. It's not just a mural. They got <clears throat> I got a key to the city. They named uh, August twenty first in Slater, California is Richard Torres Day. Um, I, they renamed the gym after me. The at Mission Oak High School, my old high school. They renamed the gym after me. Uh, the local car company, Gropetti Automotive, gave me a car. Uh, um, what you call it? They uh, and I had a parade. Uh, it it was the things that Tulare's done for me was insane. And I remember being in the Olympics talking to Tiger. And Tiger's like, Richard, how's it feel to just get a medal? And I told him, I was like, you know how it feels to turn 18 and nothing changes? Like you thought there's going to be this big awakening and nothing happened and you're still who you are? He's like, yeah. I was like, it's the same thing. Like I like nothing's happened, you know? And he goes, huh. And then once I got back, the things Larry's done for me is insane. I'm still on the the, the marquee at the, uh, at the Galaxy Theater. It says, congratulations, Richard Torres. They play all the fights at the Galaxy Theater that on ESPN and, and they like shut down like two theaters for me. Like my town, the amount of support I get from my town is in, incredible. And I, I love to say that my town is who I am because they shape and molded who I was. You know, it's not just my parents, but it was the teachers, it's my friends, it's my communities. And I grew up as a Tularian and I'm a Tularian boy born and raised. Um, and I'm just so thankful that they're, they're, they're behind me. So when did you kind of notice through all of that, right, being in Tulare and being an elite level boxer, being an Olympic medalist, when did you see the shift on how people were treating you? Kind of like, like when did you realize you were a big deal? I still don't think I'm that big of a deal. If I'm being honest with you, like you're a big I, deal. I, I, come <laughs> on, bro, see you're being so modest. I, I mean, like it's when I was at Arizona and people were wanting to take pictures of me. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I really did. When when I was at the parade in Tulare and people would stop and take, I took pictures from six to ten. There was like four hour, a four hour line for people to take pictures of me. I didn't, I did not go home until everybody had a picture, and it was be, I I loved it so much. You know the amount of support and appreciation that people give me for just boxing. I boxed since I was two years old. This is what I do. 
I didn't know you could have this much like clout or 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 kind of backing from just boxing. Like I I understood that there were the greats and everyone wanted to be like them and yeah, I want to be like them too. But it never really transitioned to me saying like, oh, I'm famous now. Like I I still get amazed when someone stops and asks for a picture. Like definitely please ask for one because it makes my day every time. You know, like I don't think I'm famous or anything like that. I hope so one day. But um, right now I'm just enjoying my time as a prospect. I'm enjoying my time as a boxer. I'm enjoying my growth. Do you think you'll keep that same energy when you are all the way at the top? When you're heavyweight champ, you won't say no to nobody when they come up to you. I mean, <laughs> like, I hope Rich, so. I want a picture. <laughs> I, I I hope so. I know. I understand that. Like, it might get tiring, and it does get tiring sometimes when when I'll take pictures for like hours because sometimes after the fights there will be hours of pictures to take. But then I think about me as the person in their shoes, just wanting a photo. That's it. That's all they want. They just want a photo. They don't want me to, to give them like an hour long message or anything like that. All they want is a picture with me. Why, why not stay and give it to them? You know, why not, why not just dedicate a little bit of time and say, yeah, well you, you waited as long as I've been here. So why not get a picture? Do you kind of see yourself as a role model, like, especially for the people from your hometown? And do you kind of take that upon yourself to live your life that way? That, that whole role model kind of thing scares me. Cause I'm not the perfect person. I'm not, None of us I, I'm, I mess up all the time, you know, and to, to kind of have that light shown as like Richard Torres, the, the Tillary hero or Richard Torres, this guy, it scares the heck out of me. You know, I, I, I want people to know that, yes, I'm trying to be a good person. I, I really am. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read. I'm trying to better myself every day, but I'm nowhere near perfect. And I probably won't, I know I will never get there, but every day I'm trying to get better. And uh, if people can kind of find a message with that, fine by me. And I'm, I'm perfect to be that role model in that situation. But if you look at me right now and try to imitate everything I do today, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be great. You might work hard, but you're not going to be the you're not going to be Gandhi or something like that, you know. And so I'm, I'm just trying to get better. So you feel you feel a sense of pressure in that sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I always felt pressure. I, I think pressure in a sense, builds diamonds in a way. So I think the pressure kind of keeps me keeps me honed in and knows that like, okay, I can't do some of these things because people are looking at me. You know, people are trying to kind of be, uh, I am trying to be a role model or I am trying to do some of these things. And so it does kind of help me act even better. You know, it keeps me on track to be a good person. Um, but I think there needs to be pressure because I care about it. I care about like the kids growing up in Solaria. I care about the people that, that look at me and, and they think there's something good there i want to i want to say yeah you're right and I, hopefully at the end of the day like i, I can't say that the social media stuff man like getting back to everything you're doing all these we call it the side quests every time we have this conversation in the social office it's always damn richard's always on this side quest you're like you're like a <laughs> renaissance man right and you're arguably one of the best guys on this roster who does social well like you fucking get it it's crazy where do a lot of those ideas come from man like, do you just sit around? Do you plan like a social manager? Like, where does that come you know, from? You know, sometimes I, I actually, I just post every, every day. That's the biggest thing. And, and if I see something or like there's even the slightest idea, I'll say, you know, I'll post it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it works, it works. And so there's, there are a lot of posts that I do that, that don't, that don't hit, you know, they're just there. But my, uh, my name in the game is consistency in that sense. Uh, and the guy who showed me was actually Johnny Monsoor. He's on the team still. Uh, and he had like 
like he hit like 100k um and i was like johnny how'd you even do that and i was like really interested in it and he goes richard all you gotta do is post he goes that's it at the end of the day all you have to do is post and i was like all right cool and i i usually only i used to only do like um like motivational stuff or like only boxing stuff because i was like i'm gonna be that guy and then i uh one day i was like you know what i'm gonna post this video because i just thought it was really funny I was gonna try it and it got like 1.4 million views and like still getting like likes. And I was like, huh, maybe I could try that too. You know, I was like, maybe I could try that little that little way too. And so if I see like a really cool audio or something that's kind of trending or something I just think is really relatable as a boxer, I'll post that and I'll just keep my fingers crossed. I mean, you're you're killing it right now. My my favorite one is the when when coach says there's a guy your size in the gym and you start putting shit on and you're running, that shit is hilarious, bro. That is Man, funny. The, the thing is, it took like five takes. So if you if you were to see the back of my head, it was covered in Vaseline. You know, it's because I just really wanted to get that that perfect take. And so yeah, and every time I had the Vaseline, the Vaseline wasn't even that important in the entire video. Now I think about it, but I had to shower for like an hour to get all that Vaseline <laughs> on my hair. Uh, what are uh? You know, social media is a great thing, but like, I guess, what, how would you say, like, what are some of the pros and cons with, you know, dealing with social media in today's day and age? I would say the pros are the um, exposure and that's also the cons. Um, you know, you get a lot of people out there that are like, oh my gosh, this is Richard Torres. I saw you on YouTube. Like in the Arizona fight, the doctor for the tournament, he goes, hey, I saw you on, on Instagram. It's like, really? He's like, yeah, he goes, that's how I know you. I was like, oh, well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And so it helps in that sense of just getting out there, getting my name out there, and uh, it helps with sponsors as well. But um, in the same in the same time, uh, it's a lot of exposure. And again, I only have six pro fights, uh, and so a lot of people are like, "Well, why does this guy have so much exposure right now?" You know, he he's he's on he's right here. He's and then they'll say like, "I'm not finding anybody. I'm not doing any of this. I'm not doing any of that." And then they'll, they'll kind of come at me a little bit in the comments. And so it's it's a blessing and a curse. You read them? Oh, I read all my comments. I read oh, all of them, man. Like, I really oh, I try God. not to. It's all right, because every time I read a bad comment, it's like, all right, one more mile. It's like, all right, one more round the back. It's like, all right, one more year. That's good, it's though, like, because it, like, can develop thick skin, too. So that's not a bad thing, in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you kind of smile smile through the pain a little bit. So There you go. Smile But it also pain. helps, too, like, uh, because everyone's talking about how I'm not a big heavyweight or anything like that so it gives me some like some more content you know sometimes i kind of relate to that i feel like when someone says i'm not a big heavyweight or something or when, when something happens and people can relate to to hate comments as well you know people can relate to like oh this is what's uh like everything bad with you and that can kind of play into that and then so kind of fighting fire with water a little bit you know one last question before we go and i really want to know this how do you feel when people call you the long lost jonas brother nacho libre <laughs> Or Ben Askren. So, the long lost Jonas brother I got growing up actually, and so I was kind of familiar with that. I was like, all right, I'll take that one. Um, the Ben Askren one, sometimes that one just kind of it annoys me a little bit, just because it's like, all right, like Ben Askren wasn't that much of a boxer. He had one fight, <laughs> and then now I'm best Ben Askren. You know, I was like, all right, like. So that's okay, but um, and then Nacho Libre one is funny. It's funny to me. And I think this really is because of the mustache. Um, I am actually going to buy the Nacho Libre outfit, and I might just wear it just to wear it because I think wow. Nacho Libre is cool should, like that. You, you know? should walk out. Walk out you should walk out as Nacho. You should so do that for one of your fights. 
I would, but hilarious. I like keeping everything consistent. You know, I like I like everything staying the same. I, I want to be that guy that when you walk out, everyone knows who you are. You know, and I think saying keeping the same song, same shorts, things like that is one way to do so. Uh, but yeah, oh man, there's some some guy made an edit um, of the Nacho Libre of me when I did the knockout, and uh, then he switched it to Nacho Libre, like going in the ring oh and getting God. like. Oh, it was so funny, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm really thankful that people are just commenting. I guess you know uh, anything they do is is good news for me. You know, any publicity is good publicity in that sense. Um, All publicity is good publicity. Yep, hundred percent. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of keeping that mindset, and I'm just laughing along with it. So we're about to wrap this up. Uh, is there any last uh, messages you want to send to your fans? I just want to say I'm trying my best in in every facet to be a better person, to be a better boxer, to be to be something that you guys could look back on and say this is a good guy you know um i i'm I'm working my butt off and um i'm doing it so that one day you guys could say i was right about this guy you know and i want to be able to say i was right about myself too so thank you for believing in me thank you for watching me and uh thank you for being part of my journey and i will keep working my butt off to to make sure that you guys can say that in the future people are going to tune in they're just going to keep tuning in as long as you stay true to yourself and you're doing what you're doing. Did you, you ready know? to go back and fight at the crib on the 25th of next month? Oh, I'm so excited. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm so excited. You should have seen the amount of people that cheered for me the first time I fought. Oh yeah. I was there. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. And so to go back. Oh, like I could not wait. This is going to be insane. I'm so thankful that Todd Ring was able to put me back on the Fresno card. I, my, my emotions are to the roof of that one. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you, Richard Torres. We appreciate your time, man. And uh, we're looking forward to your fight on March 25th in Fresno on ESPN. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.